0: Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to Enterprise Linux Security. I'm here as always with Jao. How you doing?
1: I'm fine, Jay. A pleasure as always to be here with you today. Well, when we talked about the um, that uh, that Ponemon report, um, we kind of glazed o- glazed over the um, the bubble that we live in security. When now everything you see and everybody that you follow on Twitter and social networks and everything just talks about all the latest and greatest in security and the best practices and all that, it's, uh, it's very easy to lose perspective of things. And one of the things that caught my eye recently is uh, an article around uh, yet another study, but we're not going to delve very much into the study. It's just something from SpyCloud, and it's about uh, identity risk and identity theft. And basically, it's an, an analysis of uh, password dumps from last year. And they found some pretty interesting things that we're going to look here. Not so much in the context of actually looking at the report, but just seeing the difference between and the very large disconnect that exists between what we take for granted in the security world and what actually happens in the real world and in real companies out there that don't have all the latest and greatest. And most companies do not have it. And yeah, there are some pretty interesting facts here that we're going to get into.
0: Yeah, and I also um, sometimes blame Hollywood, too, because the way that hacking is portrayed, I mean, if it was, like, realistic, it wouldn't be as exciting. And I don't really feel like people would have a good time at the movies where they're just watching somebody, like, call a bunch of companies to talk to the receptionist to see if anyone... you know, just gives up the password or gives them access. That's probably not very exciting, but something about 3D wireframe um, towers and laser fire all over the place as they are shooting down like these characters and crunching codes. It's like um, kind of sets people up to think of this as a very complicated thing, which it can be, but it often, you know, comes down to the weakest link.
1: Yeah, and typing like 200 characters in a row and making no mistakes, so never pressing backspace, for example.
0: I oh, I, I do that all the time. I never make mistakes when I type. And you'll see that in my videos, like I never make mistakes. And that's because I go back and I edit the mistake, join it together yeah. in just the right way. And it looks yeah. like I'm just typing very fluently straight down. And you would know that it took me like three tries to type the code. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Again, the difference to the real world is amazing. Um, is. But, but the security bubble, this, this stuff is really, it's real. Sorry for the here, but it's mm-hmm. actually real, and this goes into the um, the misinformation side of things. This is the, a side effect, and it's related to misinformation. When everybody you follow just talks about technology, you assume that everybody else is like that, and they'll also all everybody know about technology, and that's not the case. Right. Security, in particular, we keep talking about uh, best practices or not best practices, but the things that you should be doing and all of that and new programs and new ways to detect threats and follow threats and all that. But from this on 13.8 billion captured the uh, personally identifiable information that was captured. Um, there are 45 million cases where the password is just pass, P-A-S-S. And today having a four letter password, it's, it's not secure at all. And that's me just being very nice about it. Right. We just checked before we started recording this. It takes like 0.00004 something seconds to actually try all the combinations there.
0: Yeah, we were looking at a, a website tool that was kind of just because yeah. I was curious, like, how fast would it be put, you know, allegedly yeah. cracked if it was just passed? Like, how long would it take? And I think it was like less than one second in one of the scenarios or two of them.
1: Much less than one second. Yeah, much less
0: than that, actually. (laughs) Much less
1: than one second. And the thing here is that these 45 million records, that's not just from one person, obviously. That's from lots of users that that are using that password. And that shows the the very large disconnect that exists between the, the actual practices that you should be following and what the real world is actually doing. And this, the, the person's doing this, they work somewhere. They have access to some system somewhere. And if they use this on these passwords, then what are they using on their own systems? And let's not forget the fact that 45 million instances of password pass means that 45 million instances of somebody changing their password to pass and the system accepting a four-letter password as a password. And no right. system should be accepting that either. But going ahead and moving from there, these same people are the ones that are working, say, at a bank or something like that, and they have access to confidential information. They're protecting that information with a four-letter password. That's not protected at all. No. It's not just their information, their accounts getting hacked. It's then what the attacker can do with those credentials. And we saw just from the lapses attack where they were actually actively going after employees to get credentials to access uh, internal networks. The risks here before, because if somebody can crack a four-letter password in much less than a second, they're going to get into your accounts. And they're going to make lots of trouble starting just from there. And yeah, it, it really takes a, a severe... <laughs> a severe effort of uh, educating people better and getting people to actually respect uh, proper password hygiene in this case. And these are just some of the basics. I mean, we we talked about, when we talked about the report, uh, the the Ponemon report on another episode, we we mentioned that uh, people are just missing the basics. They're not patching on time because they were taking like uh, over a month to patch non-vulnerabilities. And patching is one of the lowest hanging fruits on the security side of things. But proper password hygiene, this is another one. This is probably the, the first one and the most basic one. The, a user to get into any system, it has to have some type of credentials. And so whoever is giving them access should at least give them some pep talk. Okay, you should not use this. The system will not accept a four-letter password. Right. They do Somehow. And that's the basic of the basic.
0: Yeah, I kind of feel like if um, in another world, if I was a um, security penetration tester or something like that, and I go to a company and um, you know, I can imagine having a conversation like, "Yeah, actually, your security is really solid. I mean, y- your servers are patched. You have like you know, new certificates that are that have a really you know high amount of crypto, and you have second factor, and you have VLANs and subnets that prevent lateral movement, so I wasn't able to jump networks." But your receptionist gave me the password to your Active Directory server. And um, I also realized that if I timed entry into your company just the right way, I could probably squeeze behind someone else. And they didn't even ask me who I was. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I'm not, I'm joking, but yeah. But what's not a joke is that this is probably a common thing. And I know it is because I literally worked with a company one time where Um, You couldn't even set up a VPN at all without somebody knowing about it. Like they were really on top of it, but their password to one of their critical systems was the same as the username.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I remember you mentioning that. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But again, this might be just our roasting lenses here. We never assumed this to be the main issue and, if you're in security, you don't assume that you're going to find too many four-letter passwords anywhere. You don't expect to find that, so you go looking for the most, the more advanced things. You go looking for misconfigured firewalls. You go looking for unpatched servers. You go looking for I don't know, servers on VLANs where they shouldn't be, so they're providing access to the, someone who they shouldn't be. Um, but this is so basic that it doesn't even get to that point. You you can get into the system. Trivially, basically. It takes no effort to, to guess this. Right. And yeah, it's not just past, It's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and combinations thereof. And another instance that they mentioned is just to, when you reuse the password on multiple websites, let's just change, say, a character or two. That's also basic to crack. Even right. if it's very long, if somebody can find the pattern, you can guess they'll find the if your password for Facebook ends in FB and for Twitter in TW, somebody is going to guess that the LinkedIn one will end in LI. Okay. It's not right. very tricky to do that. And you can automate looking for that.
0: And yeah, I mean, you yeah. could probably try, I hate LinkedIn or I hate Twitter and it'll probably work somewhere because somebody was probably in a bad mood when they set up the account.
1: <laughs> you never yeah. know. <laughs> really? but, yeah. Um, another thing that they mentioned is um, cultural things like uh, famous TV shows or something like that, just using the title as the password, even if it's very long. Guess what? You and a few other million people just had the same idea and the password hash, because it's not properly salted, will show exactly the same. So when they crack one, they will crack all of them. <laughs> it's not secure to use that. You shouldn't be using comments, words, common names or titles or whatever. I don't know.
0: I feel like... This is, so basically what it all comes down to it, you know, we focus on the exciting, right? Um, I I might not be like, it might not be a common opinion, but I feel, at least in my view, maintenance is exciting, it's fun. I like working with servers. So if I'm told to, um, you know, that there's an update in the firmware that's needed or maybe um, a new version of something came out, I'm pretty happy to check that out. Um, if it's a security update, I, I would, I'll run through that. I, I enjoy it. Otherwise, why would I be in this line of work? But then there's going to be a lot of things that are not enjoyable and things that are necessary and low hanging fruit, like you mentioned, that can in some cases be drudgery. So um, it's easy for us to not focus on those things. And an example of some of the things I'm talking about, um, one, of the, one time when I started a job some time ago, um, I started working for a company. And the first month of my job at least was literally inventorying hardware, backups, making sure the backups were happening. Um, I, I did look at patching as well, but I felt like backups are more important right now because I just started this company. I don't even know if the backups are good. Have they been tested? And then if something happens and we need the backups and it doesn't work, well, it's my job and it's my fault. So I need to make sure the backups work. But the inventory thing was excruciating because I had I you know I wanted the um, I want to know all the desktops, all the laptops, all the physical servers, all the virtual servers, the routes, the um, you know the boundaries in the firewall, and I, I needed to write that down, create some flowcharts and diagrams, and understand what needs what and. You know, I had to really double up on the caffeine to get through that. So I understand, yeah, it's not exciting, but it is necessary to do all the low hanging things because no matter how good your security is and how up to date you are, um, you're only as good as the weakest link.
1: Yeah. And just to recap, the low hanging fruits that we're talking about, it's proper password hygiene. Mm -hmm. You should have a proper training, uh, I don't know, training plan or something like that that you can give to the people that are working at the company and don't let the it people be exempt from that they should also right. know that because it's the it's your own dog food thing um if you let someone be exempt from password policies they will abuse it so nobody gets exempt from that maybe the ceo and even if he, that if he has a pretty good reason which is not right. hiring you but still um, right. nobody should be exempt from the proper password policies And that's the most basic lowest hanging fruit. Patching is another one. You should always keep your systems up to date. You should always keep patching And Yeah, we always hammer on this one because this is really important thing. You should patch your systems. If uh, availability is your problem, if disruption is your problem, look at live patching. It's a solution for that problem. You get patched and you don't have disruption. It's doable. Another lowest hanging fruit like you just mentioned is proper inventory. You cannot protect what you don't know that you have. You need to know everything that's connected to your network. You need to know all the systems that are available at any point. You need to know who's responsible for them. If it's not you, they need to ensure that they are patched if it's not your responsibility to do so. And you need to have plans to do this. It's not just something that, you, that you'll do after an attack happens. It's something that you need to do proactively. You should always know whatever is connected to your network. And whenever new stuff gets connected, it has to go through you. Don't just leave the network ports open and available to anybody that comes in with the network cable. Have them go through, I don't know, some type of of requirement or form or something like that that they need to fill in before plugging in and getting an active port somewhere. That way you know what gets in and get the MAC address for whatever gets connected there and do some MAC locking on that port. Only that MAC address gets connected there so that they don't yep. plug a home router or something like that and start providing Wi-Fi to the neighbors. Um,
0: That's exactly what I did at the same company where I was doing the inventory. I, I mandated that um, you know DHCP wouldn't give a new address. Now, obviously, I'm not going to over-exaggerate um, the security benefit of that because it's super easy to get around it. But at the yeah, very low level, that. I just wanted to yeah. check the box that says, you know only allow these machines onto the network because it's just a box. I checked it and and so what if it, you know, means that I have to uh, manually add some, that's okay and I was happy to do that. So another thing that is also relatively easy if if your firewall solution or router solution has something like arpwatch, which is something that pfSense has. Um, For just as a random example, I turn that on and I get an email every time a new MAC address is seen on the network. So I have the email right there. That's a new device. What is that? Who does it belong to? Why is it here and what's the purpose of it? Um, So I can stay on top of that.
1: Absolutely. And Again, these are just the basics. You don't have to get into advanced network topologies. You don't have Mm -hmm. to get into advanced firewalls. You don't have to spend a lot of money to get this done. But these are the bases that you should be covering before you start thinking on other stuff. If you have these type of things in place, if you have a proper training, I don't know, if you have proper training sessions for your employees and they came out of them actually knowing something and changing their behavior, they don't just go there because they are forced to or something, they actually learn something useful and they realize the benefits of having proper passwords for the, the websites and the systems that they access. That's a win, both for you and for them. And that will increase your security, and it will increase increase their own security on their own personal services that they use. And everybody comes out winning there because that yeah. means that less systems get hacked and less systems are then used to attack other companies, for example. This is a win for everybody. Having more people know about this, having better education about this, it's a win for everybody.
0: And, and er- earlier you mentioned... Um... You know, you know the the mindset that somebody might think that somebody in IT knows better, or another person knows better. I think that, in my opinion, that's what's that's one of the things that separates a um, more entry level person in IT versus somebody advanced. Which is when you get at least intermediate, I think you understand. And correct me if you feel differently. That assumptions are bad. You need to stop making assumptions. Assume nothing because assumptions in general, should just not be something that you do. Make no assumptions. You never know. Always look into it and double check, because assumptions will usually work out bad, um, because, well, they're assumptions. Yeah,
1: that was actually something that I experienced at my previous job, at a previous job, not my previous job. But um, whenever somebody came up with a problem, some people would just assume, oh, that's just your fault. It's just user fault. Everything is fine. One of the things that I never did was assume that I always checked because even if I thought that I was right, it was very easy to double check and make sure. And guess Mm -hmm. what? Sometimes the user was actually right. And I know that for sysadmins to admit this, it's not very easy. The users are always wrong and everything that you do is right. But sometimes, and those are the ones that will bite you in the end, sometimes you make some mistake or sometimes something crashed and you didn't notice. Double check. It's very easy to do that. Just double check. Make sure that the fault is not in your end, and then sure go and annoy the user like you used to. But make sure that it's not on your on your end. It's the easy thing to do. Don't assume that it's not.
0: Yeah, and speaking of assumptions, like <clears throat> depending on the person and the culture of the job, um, it might be the case that people are nervous to speak up because if you know if if management is really rigid and they're all about numbers and fast deliveries. Like, okay, I gotta get this done real quick, and, and that person, yeah, I'm sure he's good. He's walking through the door, but I'm sure he's supposed to be here. I'll just continue working um you know, I feel like as part of training, which training of course we'll we'll talk about, it's just letting your employees know that they're encouraged to ask, is this per you know is this person supposed to be here is this thing that I, in my email, is this a legit thing here? Um, probably not. <laughs> Should I be clicking on this? Uh, this app looks different than it did last time. The URL looks different. What's going on here? Um, some people might be afraid that they're asking too many questions until they didn't ask the right question and they get in trouble. But, um, and it's not about that. It's about being encouraged to say, Hey, I just wanted to check on this. Is this okay? Should I be doing this? Is this person supposed to be here? Were you expecting this? Um, I think that's very important as part of training. And it kind of goes along with making no assumptions because, you know, if, if you make the wrong assumption, that could be very costly.
1: Yeah. And that ties directly into training because you, if you train your employees to do that, then they won't click the the misleading link before asking you. Sure, that translates into probably more help desk calls, but it will also mean that you're more secure overall. It mm-hmm. means more work for your frontline people, but overall the company is better protected with something just as easy as that, getting people to ask if that they should be doing that or not. Sure, if it's the same user that's going to call you like a hundred times per day, every day, then something else is wrong and you need to speak to that user. But, right. Overall, having that approach that people should confirm, should check to make sure that they're doing the right thing before actually doing it, that's probably a good thing to do.
0: I think another thing, too, um, which, you know, we didn't even cover this, it's just, a, you know, before a camera or anything, we, um, this is a personal opinion, but when it comes to um, security and people in general, I mean, um, sorry, I'm kind of losing my train of thought all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> but i know i had a really important uh, thing to um, bring up but anyway it's training is very important we need to make sure oh here's what it is like overwhelm okay so overwhelm i just wonder if there's a link okay cuz if you look at the a common job ad when you're looking for a job or something you might see as part of the important requirements that we move something like we move fast so multitasking is essential which means you're going to be working long hours that's what that translates to and i wonder what the link might be between or even if there is one i bet there probably is one between bad security practices and how overwhelmed the you know the employees are because at a certain point mental health goes out the window you're working late you really can't do anything about that right now and you need to change your password but you really need to get through it quickly and something you can remember um, whatever the excuse might be and i'm not advocating that this is okay at all if somebody's overwhelmed if you're overwhelmed then that's a different problem altogether but i kind of feel like sometimes this creates a culture where someone is more likely to have a simple password because of how busy they are and they're also more likely to forget or completely skip out an updating documentation because you know, it's all about the numbers, they have to move on to the next task, otherwise they'll fall behind and they might not have time to do that. And then at that point, it's like, well, I think companies should understand that, you know, keeping your employees comfortable is really important to making sure that they do the right thing. If you overwhelm someone, even your sysadmin, if I get overwhelmed, I might make a mistake. I mean, literally one time, I remember writing an ISO image to my main hard drive on my computer because I, I typed the wrong, you know, slash dev slash... I mean, we all make the, these mistakes yeah. when we're tired and overwhelmed. So we need to make sure that our people are okay and properly trained as well.
1: Yeah, it's basically treating people as people. Right. And, and you'll probably get them. That will help also with less people being willing to share their credentials in, in exchange for money. If your employees are selling their access credentials, it's because they don't value those access credentials very much. It's because they don't realize the the value there. Or they're just disgruntled employees and treat them better. This is not just about paying them more, even if that's usually a factor. but. I don't know, avoid overwhelming them, like you said, avoid the the long hours, provide them with better working conditions. All of those things will help creating a better working environment and will also contribute to a more secure working environment because people will be less susceptible to this type of manipulations. And again, this is also a security factor. If you have these rental employees who are willing to sell out their credentials, don't worry, somebody will find them and will try to get those credentials. They will. They will make sure that they, they are announced. So, yeah, treat people as people, <laughs> as simple as that.
0: It is, and, and, you know, it sounds simple, but it also depends on, the you know, your role at the company as well. Now, um, I'm not, what I'm about to mention, I'm not saying anybody should have my mindset because, you know, if you, if you act this way, wrong the wrong person, you could be fired. But, but what I ran into when I was in management and I was managing a team of people, um, one of my things was that, um, you know, obviously, Technically, we had uh, we had them for 40 hours. They were 40-hour-a-week employees. But what my whole thing was is that I wanted um, no less than 30 minutes, preferably one hour of every employee's day to be spent away from projects, um, away from anything. And that was personal study time. So you can learn maybe work towards a certification. You could watch some training videos. You could read some news articles about what's going on, basically some time away from, um, the war. So there are the front lines to work on self-improvement and, and, and just immersing yourself in the technology. And that was really important to me. Um, and then when, um, and I gotta be careful how I say this, cause I, I, you know, I want to protect the names of the innocent here, but then the, you know, I had a CTO that was like, um, yeah you need to stop doing that we need 40 hours of work so stop this you know personal training time thing immediately we need the numbers we got to be billable and we need to make sure that everybody's spending every minute of their 40 hours on tasks and then i'm like okay no problem i'll let them know and then i um got back to my team, I'm like, yeah, we're going to totally continue the education thing. You're going to continue spending a half an hour to an hour learning every day. And and by the way, if anyone has a problem with it, just send them to me and don't worry about it. I'll I'll cover you because I'm like, I'm not going to give them a bad experience. And I of course had a lot of wiggle room here, which is why I don't recommend anyone else um, go this direction at all. But my, but what I, the reason I bring this up is because this is something I've experienced a lot where you have People being seen as just, you know, we're getting 40 hours of work, but we need to make sure that they're learning, that they're happy, that their career is growing, that they're comfortable, that they're not overwhelmed. And if you don't make sure of those things and don't give them time to grow, um, it's absolutely going to backfire.
1: Yeah. And in the security aspect, we know for a fact that it backfires. (laughs) We've seen that in past weeks or months even. Um, But yeah. Yeah. All this talk about proper password hygiene. this is nothing new. They, the, the company that did the study, this isn't new. This, this isn't, didn't stop, start last year. Uh, if you know about Have I Been Pound, it's been around for over 10 years. Easily, wow. I don't know exactly how much, but it's been around for a very long time. It has data dumps. I know that my first warning from it came in 2012 when I was picked up in the Dropbox one. So my account was also compromised and I used Dropbox at the time. Um, but um yeah on the on the attacker side the the goal of getting all of these records because come on if you have 13.8 billion records 13.8 billion accounts you're not going to use them all not all of them are going to be any use to you um the idea here is that you have this type of groups that do something called data enrichment you even have companies that do this data enrichment companies What that is, is basically, okay, I have a list of emails that are from the users that are registered on, say, a a forum that I have. I need more information about these users. Can you provide? And they'll get the the list that you give them, and they'll say, okay, we can add another 100 data points to each of these ones. For example, we can give you their full address, their full name, their phone number. We can get you their social security number and all that, and you pay us an X amount of money for each one. And companies drive on this. And attacking groups also drive on this because there are groups that provide services to other attacking groups that do just this. They collect this type of information. And yeah, this isn't new. This has been happening for years now. And the only way to fight this efficiently is by using proper password hygiene. The basics, again, don't reuse passwords. This is very hard to do given that we are, each of us now has dozens, if not hundreds, of services online, accounts online on anything from social networking to email to anything, Um, use a password manager. It will make your life easier and you don't have to know your own passwords. If somebody tries to get the passwords from you, you don't know them. That's the easiest way. I don't know my passwords, my password manager does. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a very easy way to do it. That's something that you can include in training. Okay. We know that it's very are to come up with complicated passwords to use in all your services. So this is software so-and-so that we've bought for the whole company and you're free to use it in your workstation. And do make sure that you generate your passwords through it. That way we know that it's uh, it's secure. It's a secure password, it's difficult to crack. It's going to take a long time if somebody catches the, the hash to crack it. So that's a good step, a step into the right direction there. It will get your employees happier because they don't have to remember the password they don't have to come up with passwords each time it expires the password manager will do that they don't even have to know the password themselves they just have to use the password manager that you provide it will add a new layer of security to your services by not making the users the, the weak link there so other best practices there don't reuse them change them often um if you're warned that it has been used somewhere, and now your browsers will let you know if uh, if an account that you use when you log in somewhere has been hacked on one of these dumps, they will let you know, okay, we found this. I know Chrome does this. We found this login on a recent password dump. You should change the password here. Do change the password when you're warned about that. It means that it's out in the open somewhere and someone has access to it. If you see that, do change the password immediately. That's. Also very basic to do. Use that password manager to do it so that you don't have to remember it. And that way you can use, I don't know, 40 character long passwords, for example. With characters and numbers and all that, you're not never going to have to remember it yourself. And that's a big plus. Or just go for stronger passwords than that. Use, uh, I don't know, biometrics. Use your webcam, use something like that to, to hide your logins. That way you log in in a more secure way. And no way is 100% foolproof, but there are more secure ways than others. And passwords, it was probably the first thing that was invented to secure systems. It's very old now, and we should have moved to something more secure. But in the real world, this is what's been using, and this is what people keeps using. So it's just a, a matter of improving it, if nothing else.
0: Yeah, and one of the things that I think is very easy to do, um, you, you absolutely have to let somebody in HR know you're doing this, you can't just do it. But um, I, I don't remember the names of these services, but there's a few of them out there. And what they allow you to do is send your employees a um, fake bad email. So you could bas- you could essentially craft a bad email that could say something like, Um, an update has been found for your computer. Please click this link to begin installation. It might be like from your IT team or something like that. And if they click on the link, then they're brought to a page that says, um, you know, if this was really a hacker sending this to you, like it would have been a huge problem. You're not in trouble, but you need to be more careful what you you click on because it's essentially, you know, this is a prank email. This is just to see how many people would have clicked this link. And, you know, do that regularly to, and, and not in a way to shame people because even the best of us can be, you know, fall for a trick. I've fallen for tricks before, but you're, you're basically, you're essentially making it known that this is a real thing that happens. And if this were a really truly bad email from an actual bad person, then the situation would have been a lot worse. And there's a lot of them out there. You could even go as far as to, you know, if, if you manage email, and you see like a an actual bad message being sent to people, maybe someone let you knew, know about this, and you look at the email, oh yeah, I see the email. You could use that as inspiration to craft your own prank email. Obviously, never copy and paste anything from an actual bad email to serve as the basis for your crafted bad email. Just type it manually. But you could use it as like inspiration. Okay, three people got this actual bad email. I'm going to create my own version of this, and send it to everybody because I want to know if this message got to the majority of our employees. How many would actually click on it? And it's not about capturing names so much, but numbers are great. You could literally hold a meeting and say, you know, I don't know who clicked on this email because I'm not, I'm not taking down names or anything like that. But what I can tell you is that 15 people within this company, they click this e- this link here, and that's a big deal. We need to have a training session to make sure that this um, doesn't continue. And it's so easy to do this, that yeah. there's services built around uh, you know, enabling you to create bad or, or fake bad emails.
1: Yeah, that's a pretty good idea. And and it's actually a good practice that's followed at some companies. Um, mm-hmm. That type of training, because that will help you even create the training session. if if too many people click on that link on that email then you know that that's one of the subjects that you need to approach in during the training session it will basically write itself for you Mm -hmm. if you only have one person out of a thousand okay maybe make a passing remark about not clicking links on emails but if a considerable amount of those thousand employees clicks on a a malicious link then yeah you need to approach uh, to approach those persons, even if individually, even if, if you can just get in touch with them, you don't need to shame anybody, but you need to get in touch with them, okay, what you did shouldn't have happened, you know better than to click on email links um, stop doing that, or even right. harden your own systems against it and add better filtering
0: yeah, yeah, and this I is, agree with this is easier filter. said than, than
1: email filtering is a uh, There's
0: always a way around it, and there's always going to be that one thing that gets around it in some way. Because I mean, literally, it sounded them as soon as I said it. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, the culture. I mean, has been, and I've seen this where you know, it's like people are oppositional, and their opposition follows the trend because at one point someone might not have access to a network share. So they just email an executable to their coworker because it's quicker than asking IT to give them access to it, um, which is a bad practice, obviously. But then of course, the IT team sees that this is happening and then they ban executable attachments, which they should have done anyway, so nobody can email that anymore. And then someone else gets a bright idea that you can still send the executable if you put it in a zip file. So now they have to ban zip files or, and then once or they ban they zip them. files, they they rename the extension zip to dot something else so they'll start doing that it will then start scanning the attachments to see if they're a zip file and then people will start putting passwords on the zip file to prevent them from being scanned and it's like this constant back and forth that, and i've seen this happen at so many companies between users and it people that communication probably would have stopped a lot of this where you know IT administrators can be a part of the training it's not just an HR thing although that's often the case that you know IT will be consulted but HR delivers the training but they I think IT should be in the training while the conversation's going and they could say hey you know we're absolutely not interested in making your job harder because we don't even want our job to be harder but what we need to do is get the communication going here so you understand that all we're trying to do is make sure that you have a place to work at tomorrow, and we don't end up in the news as the next Equifax and get shut down. So, in the interest of you know keeping you paid um, and keeping the company going, we need to make sure that we're doing the right thing here. And the right thing is not always going to be easy. And then you can also add some real news stories where maybe some unfortunate unfor- employee somewhere was taken advantage of, and they'll say, "Oh, so that could happen to me. It's not just everybody else." That person's mindset is similar to mine, so maybe I should change how I think of this because it's not an us-versus-them mentality anymore. I understand why IT is like this, but if IT is behind a wall and nobody ever sees them and they're not part of the conversation around training, then that us-versus-them mentality could probably still continue to be a thing and still cause problems.
1: Absolutely. But do you know what the real symptom uh, of that uh, (laughs) that race for for arms that weapons race there that you mentioned about people using zip files and then renaming the zip files and then changing extensions and all that, that's a symptom that your company needs some file sharing tool. And employees don't have a way to share files. So every time there's a situation like that, if you express to your employees that if you make them realize the benefits of doing it the way that you want them to do, and they're still... Abusing something else that you don't want them to, it's usually a symptom of something else. It's not that right. thing that's the problem. You should be looking at something else. In that specific case, they like if they are lacking a file sharing tool that works for their for their users. So they're trying to get around it, they're trying to solve their problem, they're probably trying to get their work done, and they can send that file that they absolutely need to send someone else. And IT is getting in the way. So IT gets the bad rep, IT gets everybody annoyed at them and all of that. But in the end, what the real issue was, a file sharing tool was needed. Employees should have a way to share files between them. And that would have solved the problem. That would have solved the the email problem. And that would have solved the IT reputation problem. Right. Again, it's more of a people problem. We'll approach that in a different episode. Yeah, but but Uh, you have
0: a great point, though. I mean, it is really about listening to your people's concerns because... It's not like, oh yeah, they're all lazy and they just don't want to do the right thing. No, I'm sure they do, but they're just frustrated and um, their backs against the wall with deadlines and everything. And if conversation isn't happening, then they don't really know what's happening. And I've seen firsthand that what ultimately happens, if IT is hard for them to engage with, they will literally just do everything themselves and I, 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 at one point, I was at a company, this is super early, but I was I was just help desk at the time. I shouldn't say just help desk because that's super important. But I mean, just as in like I was just starting out. So anyway, I was working help desk and I was not a decision maker at all. And corporate IT um, had me demo the new ticketing system and I came back to them, I said, this is way too complicated. Um, and, and what it was, just I'll try to keep this short, you fill out the form, You hit the button, but then you have to scroll back up to the top because when you Go down through the form, it's going to create more fields at the top. So you got to scroll up and down, up and down. And you got to go to this page, which is going to activate a new control on this other page. So you got to click over there. And it was so convoluted that the average person just really couldn't fill out a ticket anymore. And I let them know, I just don't think this is going to go well. I think we need to simplify this. And then what corporate IT came back with was, oh, no, no, it's fine. Actually, uh, we, we took a look at it and it's totally okay. So just push it out. And then next thing I know, everybody's refusing to put in tickets. And then you know, at this company, and and rightfully so, if you had to, if you wanted to move an employee from one cubicle to another, you had to put in a ticket for that, and IT would come in, and they would assist with moving the tower monitor and, you know, what whatnot. But now they wouldn't even put in a ticket for that, so I'd literally see people physically moving their own computers around the company because, you know, God forbid, putting in a ticket, and it became <laughs> this massive, like, anti-ticketing thing that was just... Um, really horrible to see. And it was just because there was a communication breakdown. If, you know, they would have been more working with me and then I could work with the users and bridge that communication, then we would have had something I think that everybody would be okay with if we just gave it a little bit more time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Again, communication is key. Right. And especially for IT, that's usually isolated from the rest of the company and they're doing their own thing, and the, the rest of the company is doing their own. And sometimes it seems like they're fighting each other because one seems to be making the other's life harder. Right. And this goes both ways. Um, it, communication really has to happen. If it breaks down, IT will get a bad rep, and this will affect IT's ability to get a good budget for the next year and to get new equipment and to get new stuff, because nobody is willing to accept, uh, I don't know, a budget hike for IT because they're just making everybody's life miserable, so they shouldn't be rewarded for that. They're not helping business. People are complaining about them all the time. And this affects IT. It affects IT like this. And by extension it affects security because people will no longer comply with IT requests for better passwords for example or more secure channels to access company stuff so yeah communication is key and we That's actually clear. had something else that we wanted to discuss today but we're probably going to leave it to the next episode because we're running late on
0: this yeah part. yeah um, we, we are getting that. i think we could summarize a lot of this by just saying you know obviously communication and training is absolutely key but but more importantly um always make sure you're spending some of your time on the low-hanging fruit yes i know that new security update looks really awesome and you want to dive into it i know that this new security solution you found looks really enticing and you want to see if it's a you know a fit for the company that's fun but always make sure you're spending time on the not so fun things the low-hanging fruit and put some attention on that because um if you don't put attention on the low hanging fruit, then the low hanging fruit is going to get attention, and that's not what you want.
1: Absolutely. And not only that, uh, the people listening to the podcast are obviously interested in security and IT, but most other people in the real world, they're not. They don't know about the latest updates. They probably don't know why something needs an update at all. Isn't it working? Why the hell do I need to add more software on top of that to keep it running?
0: It's so working. Let letting it run. be run. Internet Explorer. What? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but, yeah. but really, the, this mindset, the, the bubble that we discussed previously, this is real. If you're just listening to IT stuff, to security stuff, you will start to assume that everybody else knows about this stuff, and things that seem obvious to you are probably going way over the, the heads of the the other people. So don't assume the users know all about security. You have to explain it to them. You have to let them know the best practices and I know we hate saying best practices, but you have to let them know how to treat their passwords, how to treat their credentials, how to best use the the system, because they don't come to a new place and they'll know everything immediately. Don't assume that everybody knows all the best things, just because even if the whole company is, say, Facebook, not everybody that's going to work at Facebook knows everything about security or everything about IT. You have the cleaning staff. You have the people that serve food in the cafeteria. You have all of those company people. They'll have credentials. They'll have access to the systems. But they don't have the, the mindset that security people have. Don't assume everybody has that mindset. Just because everyone that you talk to speaks this language, not everybody else does. And that's a very important change that that needs to happen.
0: And we, we actually saw
1: the numbers that, they, that back this up when we analyzed the, the Poneman report in another episode. We have the numbers that show this. This is something that's real.
0: Yeah, and when it comes to those reports, I generally find that the more pages those reports contain, the worse the security industry is in general. Because <laughs> <laughs> if they have that much to report on, that's a problem. We want we want those reports to get less. You know, like they have to like work harder to find numbers than just like, you know, work easier because it's just a train wreck.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we know this is report season or something like that because right. everybody and their dog is releasing a report. We know about that. right? Uh, but but there are interesting facts in them. There are really s- interesting things that you can glimpse and that you can actually learn something from. And stuff like what we mentioned today, this is important stuff. Don't just glaze over it. This is important things that you need to keep in mind when you're working in IT and especially in security.
0: Yep. Totally agreed. So I think we've more than covered the topic today. You know, when I start yeah. talking about these things, I feel like I can go on and on and on. Um, <laughs> so I, I make Jow the official, Jay, it's time to wrap it up person because if um, I don't make him that, then um, these podcast will probably not be possible because I don't yeah, think Nobody's knock. going
1: to listen to two or three hours of just no. the two of us rambling here. Nope.
0: All right. So thank you everyone for listening. We really appreciate it and we'll be back soon with another new episode and we'll see you then thanks everybody until the next one see ya
1: bye